0: Well, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and grab them and grab one in the back like Josiah said earlier. So we're going to get into 1 John. And, and so here's what I'm trying to do this summer. All right, and so we're, we're walking through chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Thanks, Aubrey. And we're, we're talking about you know God's word and what it means for us and how to apply it to our lives. And, and so it would be, I think, easy for us to just be you know about head knowledge. But I, I want it to get deep down inside of us and be real to us. And I want it to, to take from information and turn to transformation and that we, we, we put it into application. We apply it to our everyday, ordinary lives. and So we're just walking chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And, and, and so here's, here's the challenge that I feel as I'm doing this. And so I, I've had people who are saying, like, you know, I, I want to buy my first Bible. I've never had a Bible, what are you preaching from? I'm like, hey, NIV study Bible, that's the version I use, that's great, that's awesome. Other people are like, I'm getting a new Bible for this so I can write all over it, and underline, circle, and do all of that kind of stuff. I also got people, you know, like Pastor Dennis back there. He he went to seminary, right? I'm like, I want Pastor Dennis to walk out of here with something as well, like something that's going to touch his heart and and transform him that not that I give it to him, but but it comes from God's word. And so wherever you are in the journey, I want each and every one of you to to be able to get something from from God's word and, and live it out in your life. And so Part of this is, is that we're, we're memorizing the first chapter. Right? And so you know, last week we said, hey, let's, let's do the first, cha- first verse of the first chapter. You know, here we are in a third week of this series. Maybe you want to get to the second verse, maybe the third verse. And, and just find ways to, to put this in front of you. Right? Maybe it's jotting it down on a Post-it note and putting it on, the, on your car, you know, the dashboard of your car. So when you're at a red light, in, instead of checking your you know, Instagram page, you're, you're putting God's word into your heart and your mind. Or maybe you put it up on a, on the mirror in your in your bathroom that is as you're shaving, as you're doing whatever you do in the morning, like you're, you you see God's word, and just verse by verse, little by little, over the 13 weeks of this summer, you're memorizing God's word. You're hiding it in in your heart. And so today we're we're moving into 1 John chapter two. So if you if you got that, then you can you can open it up. And what you're going to see today is this, as continuing from last week, this this contrast major contrast that, that John is using, light and darkness. Right? And and, and like love and hate. And, and and so it just there's in a world that we live in today that wants to blend these together and see this kind of gray. Right John is, is we're gonna see very clear this this stark contrast. No, there, there's there's not gray here. Right? There's there's light and there's darkness. There's there's you know living for God's glory and, and, and sin. And so we just, uh, I want to make sure that, that you're seeing and understanding this and, and the purpose behind why John is seeking to be so clear about this. Okay, so as you, if you're in chapter 2, right, First John chapter 2. Now, now here's the thing, when, when this was originally written in Greek, there were no chapters, there were no verses, or it, all, it was all together, and I think sometimes in order for us to, to make it a little bit easier for us to read, a little bit easier for us to understand, right, we, we put those chapters and verses in there together. But So as we get into chapter 2, I want to remind us of what we've, where we finished last week. Because it just he's continuing to write. The story is continuing as, as he writes. So, so look at, at verses uh, 9 and 10 real quick. So John writes, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we have made him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. And so even last week, we were looking at this this strong dichotomy, this contrast, right? And and so this is where we pick it up, verses, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So let let me read it, um, and and then we'll break it down together. John writes, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message that you heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there's nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. And so just as like last week we, we wrapped up and just kind of really jumped into sin, and we're not doing this in order to kind of beat anybody up or condemn anybody or wag a finger at anybody. We're not doing that. Right? But, but we want to, to feel this, this separation anxiety, maybe you could call it, because of sin. So, so look again at, at verses 1 and 2. Right, he starts off, my dear children. right? So he's a pastor. He's writing to his church. Right? And, and so he has this great love. Maybe in your Bible it says, My beloved ones. right? He says, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. And so last week we, we were like, Look, it, Sin leads to death. And when we're talking about death, we're not just talking about just the physical death, but this, this that hell is a is a real place in eternity. That when we are separated from God because of sin, like that is the result of that decision. And and, and so we're like we're, we're we want to really dig in that into that today in, in, in very real and practical ways. Like so and, and for me I think about just going back to creation, going back to the book of Genesis. And so God, in His infinite wisdom, He He created the heavens and the earth, and and the sky and the sun and the moon. Did you guys see the clouds on Was that Wednesday, Thursday? Like, I was like, oh my! I've like never saw clouds like that before. I'm like, God did this And His in His like just to gain even greater glory from us. We just we had to look up to the heavens to to see and behold the beauty that He made in that moment. And so God, in, in, in six days, he made everything. And it was all good. And it was all perfect. And at the end, he created Adam. And he created Eve. And he said, hey, guys, like, we are in perfect relationship with each other in this garden, this garden of Eden that I've created for you. You can eat of all of it, any of it, except the, the fruit of the tree that's at the center of the garden. Don't eat that or you'll die. And as you may, may know, so Satan comes in and he tempts Adam and Eve, and, and they eat of that forbidden fruit. Right, and, and sin entered into humanity at that moment. And what's striking to me is what, what the response is to Adam and Eve whenever they realize that they have sinned. And it's in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And what's it say? What did they do? They, they what? They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So, so think about this. I mean, this is like, oh my gosh. As soon as they realized it, they, they went and hid, they, they separated themselves from God. And, and we could read that and be like, you know, I, I get that, I see that, but, but it's, if we don't read this slowly and carefully, we can miss something that, that's written here. So as, as God is creating, right, and there's a perfect relationship between God and, and Adam and Eve, he's calling them Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. What's he call them now? What's he call them now? The man and his woman, right? man and his wife. Right? There's like all of a sudden it goes from this, this intimacy and this relationship of, of knowing them by name and calling them by name to it's this guy and his woman. Right? Like there's separation here. And, when, and I think like the, the author of, of Genesis, so Moses, he's like, I want you to feel this. I want you to understand just the depth of the separation that, that just eating a piece of fruit that is forbidden happens. Like, this, is, this is like real. And so in, in First John chapter 2, like, look at that, that, that word, like, so sin. So sin is there four times. You can circle it four different times because he's like, he's hammering it, right? And then you can write off to the side, separation. Sin causes separation, right? And, and so it, it always happens. Every time that we sin, it causes separation between us and God and, and one another. And I mean, even if you're not a Christian today, and if you are, like, thank you for being here today, right? Like, you, you, you sense this. You, you inherently know this, right? When, 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 there, when you experience a broken relationship, there's, there's separation, Right? And, and so, like, when our kids, we tell our kids to do something and, and, and they don't do what we say, what, what do we do? We, we send them to their room. There's separation. If, if our, our teenagers, right, they don't, they don't follow you know, what we want them to do, they break the rules, they stay out too late or whatever, what do we do? We take their phone, we take their keys, there's separation. When, when a husband and wife are, are having marital problems, somebody usually ends up on the couch, right? There's separation. And so you don't have to be a believer to understand what what happens with sin and and, and brokenness of relationship. There's there's separation that happens. But then John, he he says, look, I've got some good news for you. And and he uses this word atonement or atoning sacrifice. And so maybe in your Bible it, it might say propitiation. Like I'm like, whew, that's a big word. Right? but propitiation and, and, and atoning sacrifice, they're, they're the same word in Greek, right? and, and that what they ultimately mean is a price has been paid for our sins, right? and so we immediately should go to the cross. Right? This is the atoning sacrifice, Jesus going to the cross, taking the sins of the whole world upon himself, and so, so you can like underline that word atoning or propitiation, whatever word is there in, in your Bible, Right? And so when we sin, like, we separate ourselves. And so, like, so Adam and Eve, they, they sin, they, they're separated, they're kicked out of the garden. And, and then God wants to find a way to restore the relationship between his people and himself. And so he, he sets up this, this system of sacrificing animals. And so when you sin, you, you would, you'd sacrifice a lamb or a bird or, you know, or something that, that would take that and that blood would, would cover over your sin. And and so for for thousands of years this was the system of of restoring our relationship every time people of Israel would sin they sacrifice something and sacrifice and and it just like it but it never really worked. Cuz it was just it was a bunch of rules and a bunch of law and it just it never changed or transformed people's hearts. And so God's like I I need to do something different. Right? Instead of this this method of atonement or propitiation that that was used for thousands of years, I, I need to send my son, my one and only son, who's going to pay the price, the ultimate price, for the sins of the world. And and, and so he he sent Jesus, and right, for that purpose, to to restore our relationship, to pay the price of our sins, our, our past sins, our present sins, and our our future sins, and and so. Right, this is, God sent Jesus at just the right time. So look at verse one again. He says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But, and he knows it's going to come, right? If, if anybody does sin, hey, we're all going to sin, right? We have an advocate with a father. Maybe your, verse, your, your Bible says, the, I'll have one, right, with the father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And so whether your word is advocate or one, you, you can underline that. And so think about this. I mean, this is like what John is saying here is so amazing to me. So we have this advocate. And what, what's an advocate? Think about this. An advocate is someone who pleads another's cause. It, it's someone who defends someone else. It's someone who comforts them. Right? So, so Jesus, right, he went to the cross, but then he's like, he didn't be like, okay, good luck with your life now. No, he's vitally involved. He's standing with us, having paid the debt of our sins. But he doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. And In fact, he he claims us as his own. And in fact, it says that Jesus is is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And, And he's advocating for you. And he's advocating for me. And So, so when, when we sin, because we all sin, there's not a, a perfect person in this room. Right? When we sin, Jesus is advocating. He's like, remember, Father, I died for him. I died for her. Remember, Father, that's, you, you've declared them to be your son. You've declared them to be your daughter because they put their faith in me. Right? And so, so Jesus is right there 24-7 on your behalf, on my behalf, advocating for us with our heavenly Father. I mean, this is, like when you read this and you understand the depth of what he's saying with this one word, advocate, right? Like, this is the best news that you're going to hear all week. And this should fill us with, with joy. It gives us this, this living hope that our, our risen Savior has brought to us because he's our advocate. And so if you're writing your Bible, I, you know, maybe you want to put a little asterisk next to, to verse one. And, and out of the margin, you can write Romans six, one and two. And, and listen to what Paul writes, because this is, this, I don't know, this is convicting for me. He says, shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live it anymore, any longer? Right? And, and, and so, yes, sin separates, and we have this advocate, but there's, like I was saying earlier, there's, there should be something transforming inside of us, something changing inside of us, that as we're following Jesus day by day and reading his word and and surrendering more and more of our lives, there there should be something different about us. Like if you look at your life today versus the way you look at your life a, a month ago, there should be a difference. If you look at your life today and a year ago, there should be a significant difference. As he's the Lord and Savior of your life and, and you're surrendering more and more. Like you're, you're not running back to the same sins again and again and again. You're, you're actually you're surrendering those areas of your life to God. And so I think what he wants to do is he wants to see that you know, our everyday ordinary lives matter. They matter to God. They should matter to us because it matters to the people around us. And so he, he digs in even deeper in verses 3 to 6. Look what John writes. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if, he, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And so we're gonna see a bunch of repetition through the rest of, of this section. Right? And, and so we've got to remember, okay, so why, remember week one, why is John writing this, this, this book to us? Right? He, he wanted, he says, I want you to know that you are saved. Right? That, that you're good, that you're safe, right? And so so John, he's like, I want to dive even deeper into that purpose. And so so circle that, that first no in, in verse 3, and then underline the word keep, right? And so he's like, I, I want you to know, like, be on a shadow of a doubt, I don't want you to fear, I don't want you to wonder, like, oh man, I had a bad day today, like, I don't know if Jesus loves me, if I'm really saved, like, no, no, he's like, I want you to know, I want you to have this, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the, the faith that you put in Jesus, like, we live that, we put that into action, if we keep his commands, like, that's how we'll know. We want to live it out. And when I read that, I was like, oh, this reminds me so much of what James wrote in James chapter 1, verses 22 to 24. If you want to write that on the margin, you can. Here's what James writes. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, it's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And so James, he's like, come on. Like to say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, right? I, I've, I've listened to, to the word of God, I've read the word of God, but you know what, I'm, I'm gonna go do my own thing. You're just deceiving yourself. It, it, it's as crazy as like, hey, you've you shaved in the morning, and then it's like, you know, you walk away, and you're like, what does my face look like again? Like, you would never say that. He's like, there should not be a disconnect for us as followers of Jesus. Right, and so, so this is a reminder, every time that we sin, we're we separated from God and, and from others. And, and, and I think probably if, if Jesus were going to direct us in a particular way, he would direct us to the great commandment, right? Like, and so what does it say? It says you, we keep his commands. What commands do we need to keep? And so Jesus says, let me, let me give you the, the great commandment. It's found in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself. And so, so John here, he's he's reinforcing, right? He's building and building and building. So, uh, in verse five, you can underline obeys, right? Or or keep me, it says in, in your Bible, and then circle the word love, right? We're circling verbs. Right? And so the readers at this time, the people heard this, were thinking, oh, command, love, right? great commandment. This is what Jesus has, has told us to do. And, and then he reinforces even more. Verse 5, you can circle the word no. Like, you can be certain. He's like, I'm pointing back to, to verse 3 again. In case you missed it whenever you were reading verse 3 and you are reading too fast, let me just say it again in verse 5. And then verse 6, he's like, okay, your life matters. Underline that word live. It says it twice. Right, whether you live or keep or obey, whatever ver- verb is used there. Right? and so I'm like, okay, so John is really hammering this. And so, what's he hammering on? Like, what's your life look like? I mean, really, what's what's my life look like? Do we, do we look like Jesus? Do we, do we love the Lord God, our God, with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do we? Do we love our neighbor? as ourself? Do, do we love the person at work or at school in our neighborhood who, who, who believes something differently about faith than us? Do we, do we love our, our, our neighbor who, who you know, believes something different about human sexuality? Do we, we love our neighbor you know, and somebody who, who's different politically than us? Do we? Or do we just treat them like the world? Do we really want to live out the great commandment. It's convicting. I think John is saying, look, you have, we, all of us, we have to look at our lives. And there can't be a disconnect. If we say one thing, we believe in Jesus, and then we, we go, live out something else. We just can't do it. And then, then John writes something that, if, if you're reading quickly, I think could become confusing. And maybe even if you read it slow, it can be kind of confusing. He said, you know, the, the dichotomy, right? To contrast of, And he goes into this new and this old stuff. And so look at verses seven and eight. He writes, Dear friends. right, and I just, and, and I love that. I mean, a couple of times in this section, he, he writes, Dear friends. Right? And just like, I, I'm your pastor, he's saying, my beloved in some vers- versions of the Bible. Like I'm, I'm, I'm writing this, I'm sending this to you because I love you and I care for you. He says, I, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, what you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. It's truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. And, and, and so... If in your Bibles, you can, if you're writing and you can underline new, it's in there twice, and old twice, right? Contrast again, right? He's, he's like, come on, I want you to make sure you see the difference, old and new, right? But here's the thing. He's like, when, in writing this, he's like, you might be like, what? Why? I'm, I'm writing, I'm not writing you anything new. It's, 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 I'm giving you this old information. And you're like, wait, wait, but I am writing you something new. So the people who are reading this and hearing this, when they think old, their minds because of their training, because of you know their their connection back to the Jewish history. They're they're thinking first of all Deuteronomy six five, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's a, that's the old command. They've known that for thousands of years, and they're also thinking of Leviticus nineteen eighteen where it says, "Love your neighbor as yourself." And so when Jesus says, let me give you the, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor, he's quoting something old, something they've had for a long, long time. And in fact, they, they've known, they know this so well that, that whenever John, when John writes, hey, I, this old information, you, you have it, you've had it for a long time, but let me, let me put a new spin on it. And when he says, oh, let me put a new spin on it, he's, he's, I think he's writing... About something that Jesus said in, in John 13, 34. Jesus said, A new command I give you. Love one another. That's that's not new. Here's the new part: as I have loved you. So you must love one another. So the old sound the new sounds just like the old, right? But but really everything changes with Jesus. So the old, is it's the law, it's based on rules and religion, right? And, and, and based on sacrificial sacrificing animals and blood covering over sins and everything like that. But now the, the new, that Jesus comes, it's, it's relational. It goes from, from man and, and, and woman to, back to Adam and Eve, back to your name and my name. He knows our name because it's relational, right? And, and so that love is that of Jesus is based on sacrifice. Right. He's the sacrificial lamb who came to take the sins of the world, away the sins of the world, right? Everything has changed with Jesus. And so once again, the, the question I think that all of us need to wrestle up to the ground is, like, you know, do, we, do we love God kind of out of obligation? Well, I gotta to go to church. Well, I gotta got serve in kids ministry today. <laughs> I gotta to read my Bible. Pastor, I was always saying, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, blah, 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 blah. Or, or is it something intimate? Is it relational? It's like I get to worship God. I get to serve in kids ministry or student ministry. I, I get to read my Bible. I get to pray to my Heavenly Father. And so John, is, he's, he's trying to, to change their mindset. Away from the legalism and the rules and the laws. Just, that's just not life giving, and the sacrifice that, that really, it never really changed them. Because they kept doing it again and again and again and again. And more blood was flowing. There wasn't enough blood. But when one man came as the atoning sacrifice for her sins, it was a, a once and for all. Sacrifice that, that changes our, our hearts and our and our lives. And I think John's like, look, this is this is like here's here's the mirror. Put put this up into your life. This is the mirror. Right? And, but but make it practical. Right? So so think about just how we live this out just relationally among ourselves. Right? I get home after a long day, you know, and Kelly is at home, right, and I'm like, you know, I would be so much easier, so much more comfortable just go and sit on the couch and not do anything, right, but, but I'm like, I, I want to put away the dishes, or I want to make the bed, or I want to take out the trash, not because it feels good to me, but because I, I want to show her love, and, and, and I don't even want to call that sacrificial love, right? it's, it's not a sacrifice taking out the garbage, right, but it's practical. You know, come home from work, you know, the kids are, you're like, hey, let's go out and throw the football, let's go, let's go for a run, if they're teenagers or whatever, and you're just like, run? Man, I'm going to run to the bathroom, right, and close the door and hope that nobody knocks. I know, like, oh, like, practice presence with your kids like we talked about earlier. right? I mean, just look at our lives. What does your life, what does my life say about our love for God and our love? the people in our lives. All right, so let, let's wrap it up. So look, look at verses 9 and 11, and once again, he's just reinforcing, reinforcing, I'd call John the, the chief reminding officer, right? He's just, again and again and again, he's just going to hit this, this contrast between light and darkness, right? Light and darkness, love and hate, right? So, so look at verses 9 through 11. Anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. So if you're writing your Bibles, you can underline light twice and darkness four times. Now you remember, when we got started at the beginning, how many times do we underline sin? Four times. And here at the end of this section, four times of darkness, right? He's bookending it, right? Both sides, right? He's just reminding us again and again and again. And then let's circle some verbs, right? Loves and hates, right? The, the contrast, right? Underline or circle walks, right? And so maybe you're like, hey, do you, do you want to know where you stand with God? Because that's the purpose in writing this, 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 this book, 1 John. He's like, don't look at your words. Look at your life. Look at how you spend time with your spouse and with your kids, with your parents, with with people at work or at school in your neighborhood or whatever. Look at your life. You want to know where you stand with God? Look at your life. I need to look at my life. What does it look like? Your life and my life is, is writing a story about what we believe about Jesus. Do we really truly believe he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins or not? Are we deceiving ourselves or are we walking in the light? Look, he's saying, listen, there's, in a world that says there's all kinds of gray, he's like, no, no, no. it's it's black, black and white. It's very clear. It's very obvious. You mean, you don't have to kind of close one eye and look at me like, oh, my life was okay. I'm a pretty good person. No, he's, he's, he's like, that's not the standard. Jesus is the standard. He's the one who, who's inviting us into a different kind of life. One that's based on his truth and based on love. And he's just like, look, you, you have to look at your life. And, and when we start doing this, and, and it can be convicting. And, and if you're feeling convicted today, like that, that, that's, the, that's the Holy Spirit working in you through God's word. I'm not here to judge you or point anything out about you or make you feel condemned or anything like that. Sometimes we, the Holy Spirit has to do a, a work in us and pierce our hearts with God's truth because that's the only way that change begins. And so, but but as you're feeling that, that weight of sin and that conviction of how you, you treat your spouse, or your kids, or your parents, or your friends, or neighbors, or whatever, right? And, and like Satan is going to want to condemn you. Satan condemns. Right? but we as John says we have an advocate who is standing sitting at the, the right hand of our heavenly Father advocating for us right he, he is like he's like reminding God I paid the debt for their sins that's your son that's your daughter right? and, and it just extends to us just amazing grace that's what he's done for you and for me and so when when we're wrestling with these hard truths in God's word, we can, we can ignore them. We can, we can be like, I don't want to feel bad about it. Or we'll be like, you know what? I, I need to change. And I need to be honest with God and with myself. I need to repent. I need to ask God for forgiveness. And, and when we do that, we realize, you know what? We have? He's our atoning sacrifice. He's done this for us. And he becomes our living hope. He is our living hope. Let's pray. Grace telling Father, God, would you pierce our hearts? God, just would you move by the power of the Holy Spirit in each one of us and just exactly what we need to to hear from you and to sense from you and be uh, convicted to about our, our everyday, ordinary lives. God, some of us are we're walking in darkness. And you're trying to bring that light into our hearts, God. May we have the the courage and the humility and the vulnerability, God, to allow you to speak today. Would you open us up? Would you move in us? Would you remind us of who we are in Jesus? Would you remind us of Jesus' great sacrifice on the cross for us? remind us that we are your sons and your daughters through faith in Jesus. That you are our living hope. God, we love you and we praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.